Any thoughts expressed on this podcast are opinions. There are no accusations. There are no facts. This is for entertainment purposes only. Thank you. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. The United States destroyer Maddox was attacked on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin by hostile vessels of the government of North Vietnam. Well, I'm not a crook. Isn't it time that we tried something new? Took the incubators and left the children to die on the cold floor. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. What more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapse? Crisis initiation is really tough. Our human capital stock uh, is uh, ready to get back to work. We love you. You're very special. Welcome to the podcast that looks at today's topics, tries to make sense of them, and then tries to find some solutions. Welcome to Strange Truth. Today is part two of my look at the events of January 6th, the chaos at the Capitol, mayhem on the mall, rumble in the rotunda, this phenomenon that has so many people baffled. Uh, in episode one, I talked about the media and their responsibility for this, for this Let's just say this event. Anyway, we talked about how the media, by sort of not being as truthful and as free of bias or slant that they could be, they have left it up to individual humans that don't have anywhere near the resources they do to try to figure out what the truth is in this world. And when a narrative came around that played on their religious belief, appealed to their sense of right and wrong, their desire to fight for a worthy cause, they were vulnerable to it. It happened when the 2016 election was going on. It let, the, it let those people think voting for Trump was a good idea. And then when the QAnon phenomenon developed, they were susceptible to that as well. In this part, I want to look at how the rest of us are guilty for this occurrence, this happening. And... Uh, I think our responsibility mostly is in the othering of the right-leaning people among us. People who vote Republican or who lean right or who are extreme right-wing people, they are still people. They are the people that we sit across from at Thanksgiving dinner sometimes. Some of them lean that way, 
because of feelings on specific topics. Some of them, if abortion wasn't a reality in our world, they would never vote Republican. Some of them, if threats on the Second Amendment didn't happen, they would never vote Republican. Others, if uh, the Republicans didn't clothe themselves in the cloak of godliness, they would vote Democrat. I think anyone who is middle or working class really should be on the same side. And I think that we've hit a time in our history where this is possible for the first time. There is factionalism within the left and within the right. Within the, the left, where I find my heart, I feel that there is a mainstream or establishment left. These are the ones who think that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are our saviors. They watch MSNBC religiously. They believe that what they are told in mainstream media is true and that the characters on their favorite fictional shows are representative of most people that exist in our country. In short, these people are what Mark Twain called misinformed when he said if you don't read the newspapers you're uninformed if you read them you're misinformed and uh, I think that's I think that's still true if someone in government tells you something it may or may not be true if someone in the news media tells you something same thing it may or may not be true there are two types of people on the left I call one the establishment left and the other the independent left the establishment left believes the establishment mainstream narrative Donald Trump was an aberration a con man who with the help of Vladimir Putin was able to manipulate the elect electoral process and get himself installed as president of the United States without any validity to his message Now, in 2020, the people have spoken, and in 2021, we have uh, been blessed with a new administration, a responsible and normal administration, as opposed to this abnormal aberration that we were just, uh, had foisted upon us for four years, and that now things are going back to normal, that the ship of state is being captained by stable and worthy seamen and that we are out of the rough waters and it's smooth sailing ahead. And the most important thing now is to impeach Donald Trump and to, I don't know what else, I don't know what else, because it doesn't seem like there's anything really on, on the offing for anyone other than the same people who are served 
constantly big corporations and the wealthy. Will there be more tax cuts under Joe Biden? I would bet on it. Will there be uh, more wars under Joe Biden? I would bet on that too. Will they pull Joe Biden at some point and replace him with Kamala Harris? I would bet on that as well. Anyway, uh, that's kind of defining what I call the independent left. The independent left are people who have been watching this political theater and have, have decided that, no, the mainstream media is not to be trusted on everything, but the real way forward is for the middle and working classes to be lifted up and for traditional American values to be reinstated. Things like unions, things like fair pay, public works. I think you could sum it up with, we would like to get a page from 1933, the, the Roosevelt administration, and say, let's start building our country. And the way to do that is by getting those people who have the least more. It's not a difficult calculation to make. But anyway, that's what I think the um, independent left is looking at. They're, they want things like universal health care, free at the point of service, paid for through taxes. They want an end to international military adventures of the United States. They want the imperial... Uh, designs of America to come to an end. We don't want to be an empire anymore. We want decency, transparency, normalcy. We want we want to lift up the poor and working class. You know, there's a divide in the country between people who look at homelessness and say, those people need jobs or they need homes. <laughs> and then there's another people who think, okay, we need to get some, the fire department here to spray these people down. So they're not where, where I can see them. But it, we're not told that like we're not presented those two camps to put ourselves into. We're presented with, do you like Trump or do you like Biden? Those are the two camps. That's your two choices. Find your spot. Get in it. I think there's probably plenty of people on the right who would say the cure to homelessness is not more jails. It's more jobs. My feeling also is that the right most likely has the same divisions, the establishment right and the independent right. But 
I don't know where that breaks down because it's it just seems like the right is kind of in a disarray. It's, they're kind of in flux right now. I'm almost hopeful that the Republican Party can transform into a people's party. You know, remember, that's the party that wanted to go against the wealthy and powerful and eliminate slavery. That's where they had their their beginnings. The fight to abolish slavery. And then they've been transformed now into this corporate party, party of the corporate and wealthy elites. But now their party has, Donald Trump might as well have taken a case of dynamite to that party because it is like, it's like a mess. You have full-blown conspiracy theorists and you have Mitt Romney. Uh, I feel that the mainstream Republicans are probably going to join the Democrats because the Democrat, the party of the Democrats, it's a right-wing party, whether you understand that or not. I know that's going to hurt a lot of feelings, but if you look into it, everything that they do is designed, like even this $2,000 thing, the Democrats went on TV, and I've seen Joe Biden and uh, the Georgia, the Georgia candidates making ads that they didn't mince words at all. They said, if you put these two congressmen into the Congress, we will send out $2,000 checks immediately. I mean, it was, and you can find that online if you just look at it. These videos of these people saying, they weren't saying, they weren't saying things like, we're going to make sure that $600 that you, that you got gets added to by the by the sum of 1400 so that you have a $2000 check. I mean there was no talk of that whatsoever. There were talks of $2000 checks. And now it's becoming a $1400 check and not immediately anymore. Now it's maybe in mid-March if we can make it happen. We're going to try to get that for you. But now maybe we're going to means test that so that only the only the dirt poor can actually get any of that money, you know. It really is like double think. It really is like Orwell. There's a famous book by Howard Zinn called A People's History of the United States. If you read that book, it just kind of illustrates the same pattern that goes on throughout our history and the pattern is that the elites give us an enemy within our own midst ours being the rank and file American public the working class the middle class they split us into camps so that we'll fight each other I've heard this described as Billionaires paying millionaires to tell working class people that the poor is the source of their of their woes. And they've done this with immigrants. They've done it with minorities. 
and they do it right now with the left and the right. They make it seem that the working class Joe who has a red MAGA hat is the same thing as a goose-stepping Nazi, that that is your enemy, that that person deserves nothing but contempt. And the pretext is that their life is not as valuable as another life. And by further fractioning, I don't know if this is something that was done purposefully or if it just happened organically, but by fractioning the left and the right further, we now have this establishment left who demonizes this independent left. Like the idea here, I think from from their point of view is that, look, the left has the Democratic Party. We have popular culture on our side. We are very, very powerful. And we share mostly the same ideals. So if you deviate from that, you're weakening. You're weakening the very, very powerful position of the left, of the Democratic Party, which they see as synonymous with the quote-unquote left. But the independent left thinkers see that the Democratic Party has gone further and further to the right. We had the Reagan administration, which was like <clears throat> an Olympic-class leap that this country took to the right. We started seeing, during the Reagan administration, cuts as normal and natural. And we accepted that. I lived through that point in time, and I just assumed that money was short, that the economy was in bad shape, and we needed to cut back so that we can continue to survive. And that cutbacks were needed, they were regrettable, but they were necessary or we wouldn't have them. And that was in the 80s. That's when I was in high school. But they never stopped. If you've noticed, everything just gets worse. Especially if you're one of those people that is unfortunate enough to be dependent upon the largesse of our government for survival. Uh, then we had George Bush Sr., which whatever, there was four years of, a, of another Republican president. But then America elected Bill Clinton by a pretty wide margin, if I remember correctly. And we thought he was, you know, we thought he was a good Democrat, that he was a, a man of the people. You know, when, when at his first inauguration, the song that was chosen was Requiem for the Common Man. I kind of thought, well, that's an odd choice. Isn't Requiem uh, like a funeral 
song? Like, is he telling us the common man is dead? But I thought, well, it kind of sounds really cool and pompous. Maybe he just didn't even realize what he what he was doing. And, you know, that's the level of benefit of the doubt I was willing to give this young, well-spoken, highly intelligent man from a disadvantaged background, you know, raised by a single mother. I thought this was going to be a game changer. But he didn't give us universal health care, which he had promised. He didn't do a lot of things. There was there was not a lot of progress made. He got rid of welfare as we know it by cutting the funding to it. He did balance the federal budget. I don't know how that happened, but it didn't lead to fewer cutbacks, I noticed. They just kept on coming and kept on coming, and they're still coming. And while this is happening, the richest 1%, they're wealth has done nothing but skyrocket it's doubled and tripled and been multiplied by 10 and everyone else is just getting poorer and poorer and our public infrastructure is crumbling it's on the brink of failure wrote like there have been bridges that have collapsed in america killing people that's unacceptable We're lucky to live in this country, and we benefit from relative stability, relative peace. And, and relative freedom. But those things are threatened. Our stability, our peace is threatened when we otherize each other, when we Look across at people on, in the right camps, the establishment right and the independent right, and we look at them and we say, look, it's a Nazi. Look, it's a, you know, we, we, we look at them as subhuman. We dehumanize them with our language and our, and our opinions of them. And what we fail to understand, this is something so basic if we only got the information they got, we would believe what they believe. And if your car broke down in front of one of their houses and they were having a dinner party and you stuck around with them for four or five hours, listened to their conversations, and just listened, you'd probably start believing some of the same things they believe. But what might surprise you even more is that you would find out they probably agree with you on 99% of the things that are really important to you. Social media has the tendency to encapsulate us in bubbles of people that we agree with. I do a lot of activity on Twitter and I see ordinary people expressing themselves in the political uh arena and in the arenas of thought and of social justice and of class and political issues 
And what I find is that while many people are open and listen to other ideas, there are way too many of us that look at a person, something about them, and then we label them. It's almost like a one of those stamps that comes down and puts a big red label on something. People refer to this as cancel culture, whatever you want to refer to it as, but when someone expresses an idea that they feel strongly about and they're opposed to it, I think it's a normal human instinct to want to shut that person up and shut them out of your life and stop them from talking. So when Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and presumably others decide to deplatform certain voices, there's too many people that applaud this decision. The reason that we have a First Amendment is because unpopular speech is important. The way to deal with ideas that are counter to progress and counter to human happiness and success is to expose these ideas and to rebut them, debunk them. I'm trying not to cover too much ground that I covered in my polarization episode, but this this basically is polarization, but it's also a fragmentalization of the poles. Now we have two factions of the left. We've got the left that's supposed to be in lockstep with the party. And we've got the left that's like, no, let's really be left. No, let's really have reforms that benefit the people in this country over the corporations. You might call them the rogue left. Let's really have meaningful progressive uh, policies put into place. Let's have Medicare for all. Let's end the wars. Let's have immigration reform. Let's increase the minimum wage. Let's forgive student debt. You know, let's have reparations for uh, descendants of slaves. Those people are... They're more vocal. They're able to have their voices heard more now than ever before. They're less indebted to the party for whatever voice they do have. And then we've got the mainstream left. Let's trust the experts. Let's put our faith and trust in these, in these great people who are going to lead us out of bad times. And just trust them. Don't pay too much attention to what they do. Go back to sleep. And they'll take care of you, just like President Clinton and President Obama did. And it's not enough just to have a disagreement with the people outside of your faction. But you should be also dehumanizing them. You should also be hating their guts and calling them the worst things that you can call them. You, if you go on Twitter, you could play a drinking game of 
every time someone calls someone a Nazi, you take a drink of uh, schnapps. And then every time someone calls someone a communist, you take a shot of vodka. And you'll be hammered in about five minutes. Dehumanizing language is a tool that's used by authoritarians. I'd like for us to try to stop labeling individuals and start understanding different political concepts and policies. The Nazis used intimidation, violence, uh, silencing of others to gain power. Those were the tools to gain power. Once in power, they used ethnic cleansing or genocide to uh, further some of their goals. But the heart and soul of these, or of these uh, types of government is not hating on the others. It's, that's kind of a means to an end. That's one of their tools in their tool belt. I'm sure tons, of, maybe even all the Nazis were anti-Semites and white supremacists or whatever you want to say. I'm, I don't find that hard to believe at all. But the basic ideal of fascism is just everyone do what they're told the experts and the state know best you have a role in your society you do that role and, and don't ask too many questions and the the rich and the connected that's their God-given place is to be powerful and to have power over everyone else and what you do is you just do your part you play your role, you do your job, keep quiet, don't criticize the leadership, and you'll benefit from the massive wealth when we take over the world. You'll be one of the high-ranking people when the world is under our boot. And that's, that's what we have here now. If you're yelling at people because they're Nazis, well... We kind of all are Nazis in this in this country because we allow our leadership to make decisions in the dark and to take over the world and to subjugate other people and to let Americans suffer. We're no different than those people that saw the, the you know, the ashes falling out of the uh, extermination camps. Yeah, it hasn't come to that yet. It may never come to that. Who do we got to exterminate? We exterminate them with a, with a drone. You know, our weapon is money. Our death camp is the military-industrial complex. We come up with some kind of pretext to go to a country that 
has no way to defend itself from us and just obliterate its civilian population. I'm sure we've killed way more than 6 million. We probably do that every 10 years. We probably kill 6 million people every 10 years. And it's in the, it's in the name of profit. It's in the name of greed, for lack of a better word. I want to go back to something I've been saying. When people seem crazy to you, if the people who follow QAnon seem like deranged idiots, you probably there's probably something about that phenomenon you don't fully grasp. And if you're looking for the the regular news media to tell you the full story, you're not going to get it. If you are looking at people and judging them, learn about those people and find out what caused them to be that way. And if you're on the right, if you're one of if you are a QAnon follower, you know, the idea that there's nefarious individuals in our government who have figured out a way to control others using children as pawns, you're not wrong. If you think that the news demonizes you and turns you into some kind of freak, you're not wrong about that either. But if you think people who want health care for Americans the same as they give in Britain or Canada or Israel or any other country that has uh, more than a couple of dollars in its treasury. If you think that people who want that are your enemy, if you think they want to send you to a gulag for re-education, you're wrong about that. If you think that having some kind of public housing system or food assistance or even a UBI, if you think that's the same as full-blown communism, you're wrong. You're being misled by the people who are claiming to inform you. If you want to see what socialism is, go to Italy and visit a hospital there. Or go to England. Or go to any advanced country other than the United States. You're going to see that there's certain needs that everyone has that are more efficient if they're paid for by a larger group. Theoretically, that's true of insurance, but the profits that the insurance companies take are astronomical. And the profits that the drug companies take are astronomical. And that's that's why we're in the situation we are where we spend more than any other country and we have worse health care more deaths try going to Italy and tell someone that lives there oh yeah I have to choose between taking my insulin and paying my rent and they're going to look at you like you're from another planet it's like how stupid are you if you tried that in France people would be in the streets and look I don't care if, if you are the hardest of the hardcore racist if you think it's okay for police to shoot an unarmed citizen because they happen to be of a different race than you, 
then you're a freaking idiot. It is not okay. It's, uh, I think, statistically proven that it happens way more often with African Americans than with white people. So, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that it's, it's not a more of a problem for the black community than it is for everyone else. But the fact is, even if every single one of those people were, let's not even say African American, if they were all from Myanmar, for example, like if every single person killed by police was from some obscure country that you never heard of. That's a problem for everyone. The police are not there to kill you. The reason they have guns at all is to protect themselves when, when faced with a deadly threat. That is a privilege to, to have that, that gun. That's not a right. The fact that they're using that privilege to murder citizens of this country, that's a problem for everyone. And buddy, let me tell you, if you think that being white is going to protect you from being shot by the police, you're, you're delusional. Black people are definitely more at risk for this. It's statistically been shown to be true. But this is not a race issue. This is a police issue. This is a civil issue that we should all care about. If you are against police officers killing civilians, that does not mean that you're in favor of crime or that you're against law enforcement. And the calls to defund the police, it's because the police have so much money they can buy exotic weaponry that they use against the civilians. Why would you want your tax dollars to go to fund more efficient means of your own death. I don't think anyone would do that. But, you know, the news sources that you get aren't telling you that. They're telling you that there's lawless thugs that are running rampant, looting, rioting, and what have you. But what, you know, the reality is, it's people that are saying, Look, please stop killing us. We are not saying please. They're done with that. They're saying stop freaking killing us, God damn it. We're pissed off. And there's, you know, if they burn down a Walmart, it's because they are freaking at the end of their rope. They've had it. I personally don't believe it's them burning stuff down, but whatever. Even if it was, I think it's, I think it's legit. I think you have got to, like, sometimes there's a point where, being nice and asking politely sometimes the time for that is done so don't look at people on the left who say stop police killings we want universal health care there has to be some kind of life raft for people that are that have lost their jobs lost their employment lost their businesses and it's okay if it comes from the taxpayers stop bailing out big businesses like if if you look at people like that and say, "Oh my God, you're a communist. You want us all to, you want to um, abolish personal property, and you want 
anyone who's an entrepreneur to go to jail. You know, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. I think we all want the same exact stuff. I think we all want to be left alone by the government, helped out when we need it. I think we're all a very generous and giving group of people. But the idea of labeling someone based on something they say one time, based on maybe one strongly held conviction that they have that conflicts in some way with your own, labeling them, othering them, casting them in a light of evil, in a light of Nazi or communist. It's what they want. It's what the, it's what the true enemy wants you to do. Because as long as we're fighting with each other, they can do whatever they want and get away with it. There's plenty of people on the left, so-called right now, who are applauding YouTube, Facebook, Instagram for erasing voices they don't agree with from these platforms. When you ostracize a group like that, they don't go away. You don't see them anymore. But now they're in the shadows and now they're only talking to each other. I've heard that criminals call prison, sometimes they call it the academy because it's where you really learn how to be a good criminal. It's where you, you know, you're locked up with other criminals and what are you going to do but talk about crime and things that happened to you and how you got caught and how you avoided getting caught before, how you maximized on the crimes that you've done, gotten the most profit for your things that you've stolen, things like that. You And that's what you are going to do with these people who you think are crazy Nazis. You're going to push them into a corner where they're only going to have each other to talk to. A lot of what they're going to be talking about is all the awful things that you said about them and how much disdain you have for them and how you think they're crazy and how you think they're subhuman. When you treat people that way, they feel justified to take, you know, uh, an attitude of a defensive attitude, if you will, that no, I'm not subhuman. You're the subhuman. I'm an oppressed minority. If there's a party, if there's a public event, if there's a marketplace or a forum and you exclude someone from that, that is discriminating. That is repressive. So they have a right to feel that way now. So you've pushed people that you consider to be far-right kooks off of Twitter. You've cut them off from something, a very important means of self-expression. That is oppressive. So if you're there cheering for that, thank God they got rid of X, Y, and Z. Thank God they took Trump off of Twitter. Oh my God. They should have done that long ago. Well, now you've turned Trump into an oppressed minority. Congratulations. What else could he want in life? You know, he's been a billionaire. He's been 
a top celebrity. He's been the president of the United States, and now he is an oppressed minority being kept down by the man. Only this misguided effort of the un-American instinct to silence could turn Donald Trump into a victim. But there you go. There you go. Now he's got that to add to his resume. I just want to recap real quick. Episode one of this four-part episode, I talked about the media has left all of its uh, viewers and readers to kind of figure out for themselves what the truth is in this world because they don't give us an objective truth anymore, if they ever did. In this episode, I talked about how ostracizing and demonizing those you don't agree with politically is ultimately counterproductive and will not lead to a better world for anyone. And as in most episodes, the message here is listen to each other. Try to be open and understanding. Try to get your points across to them, but listen to them too. And understand that we're all in this together, that we're all brothers and sisters in this struggle. And that we're 99% of the population and the 1% is the actual problem. Thank you for listening. Be safe and be good to each other.